Mike Van Sucks Podcast proudly presents <clears throat> Sounds from the Underground. Hey guys, Mike Van Sucks Podcast proudly supports the following. Hey guys, check out Ceremonial Sound right here in Bristol, Virginia. Please support Elder Brew in Bristol, Tennessee. Support The Hideaway in Johnson City, Tennessee. Please support Mountain Smoke Shop, What's Fecked Up Podcast, Of the Dead Designs, and the Tope Suicida brand. Please support This is Sky with Miss uh, with Mita Goodwin. Please support Modesto View Magazine, ModestoView.com, Ace of Space Radio, RealityCheckTV.com. Please support Capital Chaos TV with my buddy Zorin out in Sacramento, California. Please support Bands for Bands, Music Depot in Hayward, California. Please support Relic Moon Records, Central Valley Death Metal. And as always, GunMusicRadio.com. And hello to everybody listening on GunMusicRadio.com. All right, guys. Enjoy the show.
for a full 12 months a year. The 28 teams of the National Football League prepare for one day in January. Super Bowl Sunday. Every phase of every team's operation is focused on a single goal, the World Championship of Professional Football. <coughs> Over 1,200 men have performed in Super Bowls, a game that has become America's biggest one-day sporting event. One big play under America's microscope can follow a player for the rest of his life. The stakes are high. And the rewards are great. The winning team is awarded the Vince Lombardi Trophy, named in honor of the man who won the first two Super Bowls. More than 500 million people worldwide watch the Super Bowl on television, waiting for someone to emerge as a folk hero. It is the hottest pressure cooker in American sport, and each Super Bowl has its share of heroes and memorable plays. stories of both success and failure. Each has its moments when some of the game's greatest players prove they are human after all. This is a story of the men who have stood on the summit of professional football. And each year, their footprints are blown away, clearing a path for other teams with other stars to make their way to the peak. After the leagues agreed to merge in the summer of 1966, one of the details to be worked out were the details, the site, and so on for the championship game to be played between the two leagues. And we never knew what to call the game. My children each had a, a ball called a Super Bowl, and my daughter was always talking about that ball. It was a highly concentrated rubber ball that you could bounce on concrete, and it would literally bounce over a house, very much like a golf ball would. And she was always talking about that Super Bowl, and I think it was one of those spontaneous things. I just said, you know, the last game, the final game, the Super Bowl. On January 15, 1967, the Kansas City Chiefs and Green Bay Packers met in the very first AFL-NFL championship game. Everybody in the Chiefs organization felt an awareness that we were representing the six-year history of the American Football League. We weren't just representing Kansas City or the Chiefs. We were representing the whole AFL. And I'm sure on the other side, the Packers felt the same way, too, for the NFL. But that first game was very significant. It was the only time a team from the pure AFL.
this was to be the only championship ever televised by two networks. Maybe that's why so many of Hollywood's most famous faces were out to see and be seen. Perhaps it's also why this was the only Super Bowl that did not sell out. Those who did attend saw the underdog Chiefs score twice in the first half to stay close to the favorite Packers, 14-10. But Kansas City coach Hank Stram was still worried about pregame statements made by Chiefs cornerback Fred Williams. If we had any psychological advantage going against the Packers in Super Bowl One, uh, we couldn't do any talking. We had to be quiet. And here's Fred expounding on what he was and was going to do to the Packers, how he was going to level them. The man known as the Hammer had boasted all week that he would come down on Green Bay receivers Carol Dale and Boyd Dollar. Stram quietly comes over to me and says, that kind of attitude we can have here. You can't be that kind of braggadocio guy that uh, you're going to uh, alert the Packers that we're here. I'm thinking uh, they know we're here. If I tell you that Boyd Dial is not going to catch a pass, it's because I believe it. If I tell you Carol Dale is going to... Yeah!
happening after the game on his behind is because I believe it. As a matter of fact, the first fake boy Dollar gave me, uh, they carried him off the field after that. He, he caught one pass, just landed over the middle, and I said, this is just what I'm looking for. There's a guy 6'7", six, 6'8", six, coming across on a slant in on the hammer. And I hit him with everything that I had, and they took him off the field because his the shoulder was no longer no, normal. And now if they want to blame the loss of the game on me, they can blame it on this particular incident because of the fact that after that, Max McGee came in. And it takes him an hour and 25 minutes to run a 100-yard dash. He goes over the other side of the field, and I look up, he's catching two slanting passes for two touchdowns. As damaging as the McGee scores were, it was Willie Wood's third-quarter interception that devastated the Chiefs. And it is After Wood brought the ball deep into Kansas City territory, the legendary Packer sweep took center stage. And at the 14, to Jim Taylor on a power sweep, cutting back at the 10, Taylor is in for the touchdown. The route was on, but the Packers still had some unfinished business left with the hammer. I had set myself up because I was the pie piper. The Green Bay Packers are going to get the hammer. Donnie Anderson came around, and his knee hit me right on the smack right here in the forehead, and I went down. And I was a little woozy. The hammer! Hey, you know who got hurt? The hammer. Hey, slap, the hammer got it! I'm the clown of the football field now, because I'm, I'm out. They got the hammer. They said, come on, get up. And I refused to get up, but I'm embarrassed. They came and they dragged me off the field, and dumped me on the sidelines, and he dumped me. I jumped up, and I waved my fans to let him know I was all right. The Hammer was conscious enough to read the final score. Packers 35, Chiefs 10. An important victory for the NFL and Green Bay coach Vince Lombardi. Vince would bring his Titans back the following year to Miami's Orange Bowl for their second straight AFL-NFL championship. This time...
The opposition was the Oakland Raiders, who simply could not stop this team of Green Bay legends. The Raiders did themselves no favors by committing a wide variety of foul-ups and blunders. The Silver and Black have played some of the best postseason games in football history, but this was certainly not one of them. Green Bay bolted to a 16-7 second quarter lead, with the key play coming on a 62-yard touchdown pass from game MVP Bart Starr to a now very healthy Boyd Dollar. But as the Packers went to the locker room at halftime, something besides simply the game's outcome weighed heavily on their minds. We had all been pretty aware of the fact that Coach Lombardi was thinking very, very seriously about retirement. And uh, while many of us cuss him or call him names or a number of things, it's something like you might do with your family. You can call your brother something, but don't let anybody else call him the same thing. It's the same way with Mr. Lombardi. We can cuss him, but don't let anybody else holler at him. And we all felt that this was going to be his last game. And uh, I, I said to the fellows, I said, look, we got 30 more minutes this year. I said, let's give it to the old man. Let's play the last 30 for the old man. That's about all I said. The message was heard loud and clear. Number 26, cornerback, Herb Adderley, keyed a second-half onslaught that buried the Raiders 33-14 and gave Lombardi a
Victory in the last game he ever coached for the Packers. The World Championship Award he earned now bears the name the Vince Lombardi Trophy in his memory. Super Bowl III provided the classic matchup of David and Goliath. The AFL underdog Jets versus the NFL seemingly unbeatable Colts. But you got to understand that the, that the whole NFL thing was riding on us. That these upstarts actually were going to play against us. And we were 15 and 1. The only game we had lost was to the Cleveland Browns. We had just played Cleveland in Cleveland, had beaten them 34 to nothing for the NFL title. We were going to finish up as the greatest team in history. We never recognized the American Football League, never watched their games. I'd never seen Joe Namath throw a football until I, the warm ups prior to that game. We didn't recognize him. That was just a semi pro league that uh, if you couldn't make it in the NFL, that's where you went. Namath would be the central character of an incredible pregame drama in Miami. Ironically, Joe's coach, Weeb Eubank, had gone to great lengths to avoid controversy. He wasn't entirely successful. Well, the thing that I thought happened in Super Bowl III, that Weeb handled it great. He took us down there three days early, uh, turned the players loose, no bed check. Then uh, we started our week preparation.
It certainly was the day ever for NFL Player of the Year, Earl Morrill. All season, Morrill had quarterbacked the coach brilliantly. Okay. Mike Van Sucks Podcast. This is Sounds from the Underground. And that was Vanic. That's right, folks. There's a band called Vanic. And earlier, you heard Midnight. Dude from Midnight. His name is Paul Vanic. It's all coming together, dude. Anyways, um, my name is Mike Vanek and I suck. Welcome to the Mike Vanek Sucks Podcast. Um, kicking ass, taking names, and cashing checks, folks. Um, so I'm at work tonight, right? And having a good day. Everything's going right. Scanning lottery. And all of a sudden, all the power. And I mean all the power. In the store, except for like two things, um, went down. Total black. Scared the living shit out of me. Uh, I walk outside, a whole neighborhood's fucking black, dude. And uh, yeah, so then there's that. You know, 
yesterday, fucking it's weird. Today, even weirder. Hope you guys are having a very safe, insane uh, 4th of July. However, I do feel that it's kind of ironic that we're uh, support, you know, celebrating the freedoms that we have. And millions of people just lost their freedoms in America. So it's kind of a, a weird time right now. And uh, it just keeps getting weirder. Uh, anyways, um, this is the Mike Van Exelk podcast. Sounds from the underground. You're listening to it on rss.com and gunmusicradio.com and my YouTube channel. So if you're watching us on YouTube, What's up, dude? Uh, if you'd like to hear your music on the Mike Vanek Sucks podcast, Sounds from Underground, if you'd like to come on the Mike Vanek Sucks podcast and have a discussion with me, if you got an old school projects and you want to come on Rating the Vault with Vanek and Lunchbox, I'm sure uh, Davey would be happy to have you on the show. Um, you know, it's all love, dog. It's all motherfucking love. Help me help you. Help your band, comedy career, movie you got coming out, project you're doing, charity you're trying to raise money for, anything that you want people to hear, let's get new ears and new eyes on your product. That's all I gotta say about that, dog. Hmm. Let's go old school real quick. This is the very first death metal band of all time. And they are from my hometown of Elso Browning, California. That's where I was born, folks. This is the mighty possessed with the exorcist. You're listening to it on Mike Manic Sucks podcast. Sounds from the underground. GunMusicRadio.com What up, Jason, man? Oh! 
1969 was to be his day of infamy. The Jets intercepted Morrow three times at the goal line, the most humiliating heist coming just before halftime. On a flea flicker play, Earl Morrow was the only man in the stadium who did not see a wide open Jimmy Orr. When Earl threw to a different receiver, it was the Jets' Dick Hudson who ended up with the ball. Not only wasn't Baltimore crushing New York, they were losing at halftime 7-0. The Jets built a 16-7 lead that could not be overcome, even by future Hall of Fame quarterback Johnny Unitas. The day instead belonged to the swaggering and outspoken Joe Namath. Namath had guaranteed victory earlier that week. Against the Colts, he backed up his flamboyant boasts.
Super Bowl III upset. The central character in Super Bowl Chiefs was Kansas City coach Hank Stram. Come on, Lenny! Pump it in there, baby! Just keep matriculating the ball down the field, boys! Stram prodded, encouraged, cajoled, and fired up the underdog Chiefs all game. Of course, having Pro Football's number one defense at his disposal didn't hurt matters either. The Viking offense had run roughshod through the NFL, yet the Chiefs held them to a paltry seven points. Although the play of the defense won.
Bruce Graham's heart, an occasional referee judgment elicited a cool rejoinder. Boy, that's a bad call. Mr. Official, let me ask you something. Six of you missed a play like that. Six of you. The ball jumped out of there as soon as we made contact. I thought you were talking about you being on the field. No. What? Hey, hey, we go, we don't give him anything, man. We keep scoring that pressure on him, putting the call in the fire. Kick it up high, we have Let's go. Come on. Three field goals gave Kansas City a 9-0 lead. And then, a Minnesota mistake handed the Chiefs a golden opportunity. Strand didn't hesitate, calling for his favorite goal line play. 65 toss power trap. Look for 65 toss power trap. What does it look like? Look for our 65 toss power trap. Blaster, tell him 65 toss power trap. Get in there for 65 toss power trap. Let's go! Come on, let's go! Come on, let's go! 65 toss power trap. That might pop wide open, Rats. Blunder-filled Super Bowl game ever played. In Super Bowl V, the Baltimore Colts and Dallas Cowboys hooked up in what could be described as a comedy of errors. Nothing went according to plan. Even when the Colts dusted off a trick play and worked it to perfection, that too turned into an exploding cigar. 
despite the endless supply of platforms, Dallas took us. would have to rally behind the leadership of legendary quarterback Johnny Unitas, who completed what was then the longest and strangest pass in Super Bowl history. Fires out left side, incomplete. It was just being in the right place at the right time. Uh, it was designed to go to Eddie Hinton. Um, I was clearing out the area 
when I turned to look back, the ball was just coming to me, and I caught it and ran for a touchdown. It wasn't designed. I didn't expect it. But it's just like that inborn reflex. It's time you catch it, go, go for the end zone, you know. And uh, it gave us six points, which we badly needed at that time. Late in the game, with the score tied to 13, the Cowboys committed their final and most fatal faux pas. The Colts might Curtis intercepted to set up the most exciting finish the Super Bowl has ever seen. Nine seconds showing on the clock. The Cowboys and the Colts all tied up at 13 to 13. There is the snap. The kick is up and is long enough. It is. The victory wiped out the Colts' bitter memories of Super Bowl III and make them world champions. Things I just can't work out make me want to scream out. Things I just can't work out make me want to scream out. Things I just can't work out make me want to shout out. Like a hear a brother crying. Like team sought only respectability. Now, they were one win away from a world championship. While the Dolphins anticipated a bright future, the Dallas Cowboys were haunted by a history of losing the big games. They were always next year's champions. In Super Bowl V, they came up five seconds short. They were determined not to be denied again. 
the magical hands of Hall of Fame receiver Lance Allworth gave the Cowboys a 10-0 lead, while Miami continued to let scoring opportunity slip away. Larry Zonka fumbled for the first time in 238 carries, and Miami became the only team in Super Bowl history not to score a touchdown. Mike Vanek Sucks podcast. That was 36 times The Walking Dead by my hometown rock band, Broken Trojan from Turlock, California. That's where I went to high school. 
It's where my kid lives. We're going to call that my hometown. I lived all over California, but in Virginia now, folks, look out. Like I said, that was Broken Trojan. Before that, you heard Boneless Ones. Brand new music from the Boneless Ones. Uh, MDC, Millions of Dead Cops. I love that fucking song. SSD Control. Google. Classic track now by Hatred. Uh, Vanek. Check them out. Uh, Misfits with Vampire. Inhuman Condition. Are you listening to Inhuman Condition? Dude, members of Obituary. Deicide. Do I need to keep going? I don't think I do. Uh, Space Chaser. Love that fucking shit. Scoundrel from Home. Probably one of the best hardcore bands I've ever heard in a really long time. Before that was Midnight. Monster God, who just got signed to Salt of the Earth Records. Congratulations to three really good guys. I love that band a lot. And we started off the set tonight with Heathen. What up, Craig and Lum? How you doing, dog? Um, and with that being said, Jay Smith wants me to cash up and hire $50. So, if you got $150 you could spare, I got a cash app it to Jay Smith, apparently. You know, even though he only drew like four people to do shows, but I'm not, well, we're not talking about anything, but yeah. Uh huh. The Buck Stallion, fuck. Buck Stallion Testarossa. Oh, God. Anyways, Mike Vanek's podcast. If you would like to hear your song on Sounds From the Underground, if you'd like to come on Mike Vanek Sucks Podcast, you can tell I'm getting real fucking tired. Um, dude, if you want to be a part of the program, text metal to 865-824-6427. Uh, you can hear this episode um, on gunmusicradio.com. Probably tomorrow, which is Monday, July 4th. Happy Happy Independence Day to all y'all that are independent. Um, Mike Max Sucks Podcast is on Instagram, Facebook, and that all-important YouTube page. Click like and subscribe. Uh, RSS.com forward slash podcast forward slash Mike Vanek sucks to hear the Mike Vanek sucks podcast anytime you want. With that being said, I think it's time to call it kids. That's my time. Oh shit. And shaboodle. How are we going to end this one? Is it going to be a boring ending? Is it going to be a badass ending? Hmm. This is how we're going to end it. To the band from Bristol, the town I live in, they're called Vespers. It's a chill little ditty to get out of here tonight. Once again, my name is Mike Vanek. Out Facebook.com forward slash Mike Vanek.
Anik SUX. If you're in Bristol, come see me at the BP on the highway. Support ceremonial sound elder brew. Mountain Smoke Shop of the Dead Designs, Tope Suicida. This is Scott with Mitta Goodwin. Modesto View Magazine, ModestoView.com. Gun Music Radio. I'm leaving you with this. Have a good night.